Well, welcome to week number four of our series we're calling By My Spirit. So it's not by our strength, it's by His Spirit that we want to operate, we want to work. And in this series, we, we've been leaning into understanding and reaffirming the value of the Holy Spirit in our daily life. His power, His working is, is so powerful. And I hope that through this series, you that have been with us the whole series, you're like, man, you're just, you're just so much more aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing and, and His working and His operation in your life. And so um, we're, we're going to continue to lean into that today. Um, one of the things I like to do every, every Sunday is just kind of tell you where we're headed at the, as a church. And so we just ended 21 days of, of prayer. Next week, we're going to begin a new series that I'm calling Reinvent. Everyone say Reinvent. And, uh, and the whole premise of this series is that we can't reinvent our lives until we give God permission to reinvent us. We want our externals to change, but he's, he does inside-out work. And so we're going to lean into some things in that series that I think are really going to help you. And I, and I just encourage you, make a plan to be here every Sunday, not miss a one, and be a part of what I believe is going to be a very practical series and really help us uh, as we move through things together. So let's begin today with our current series verse out of Zechariah 4.6. It says, this is the word of the Lord. Not any word, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I've been leaning into this in, in our 21 days of prayer. and Just the Lord's been reminding me of this. The word Holy Spirit has been a hard thing, was a hard thing for the translators to translate. In reality, it, it just simply means breath or air. It's just this something from God, right? That's like he's our, he's our breath. He's working in us. And so I've really been captivated by that. Just that everything that we do would have the breath of the Holy Spirit on it. Another way to say it, and, and I don't mean a little smell, but, but a, the fragrance. You can tell that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. So a few years ago, we had a lady who began coming to the church. And one of the things she said after she'd been here a little while, she said, his place is like a breath of fresh air. And I just love that. And we have people that are looking, trying to find God. Some of them trying to find a church. And I just believe we have something very, very unique that God's doing here. And it is just refreshing to be a part of what God's doing at his, his place. So I'm glad you're here. And I hope you find it refreshing as well. So now if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus, you have something that over 80% of Christians don't know they possess. Did you hear that? 80% don't know they, they possess. This is something that has the power to propel you into God's best. It has the potential to bring you great joy and fulfillment beyond anything you can imagine. And what this is can be developed. Isn't that amazing? Pretty, pretty awesome thing. And it'll allow you to make a difference for God on the earth, not through your own strength, but through God's strength, through the Spirit. And so um, when you have something that great, there's always somebody that wants to put a damper on it. You know, you ever, you ever had something great going on in your life and you had the, you know, the killjoy showed up, right? You know, and uh, so there's theologians that they work on killing joy, I think, and it kind of seems that way. But there's a whole theological doctrine out there called cessationism. And the idea of that doctrine is that, that the gifts of the Spirit, that what we see in the book of Acts, it just stopped at the book of Acts. 
that, that you know, it's, it's, it's not for today. You know, when the apostles died, it went away. God really doesn't do miracles anymore. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not real anymore. But, but that's not true. And it's certainly not what we believe. And in fact, this whole idea is actually nothing new. They didn't need a bunch of theologians to come up with this. This was a problem in the first century. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, the apostle Paul, who launched the church there in Corinth, said this, now about the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, okay, we've got to talk about something, y'all. Y'all, y'all not quite right here. He said, and I love it, brothers and sisters. You know, when somebody comes up and he says, hey, brother, you're like, oh, okay, what's going on now? That's what Paul was doing here. He said, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to, another way to say it is I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. And so even the first generation of believers needed this topic that I'm going to teach you today to be taught. And so today we're going to look at that thing that I described earlier, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, right? And I want to begin our, our conversation, our, discuss, our, our message today with the idea of three primary gifts. We're going to look at two and then we're going to get to spiritual gifts. But two primary gifts that God gives us are actually there's three total here. And the first one of, of God's gifts is eternal life. I mean, if you miss all the rest, get this one. Get this one, right? Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the penalty for our sins is death, not just literal death, physical death, but spiritual death, an eternity separated and apart from God. But he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In other words, God's saying, I got this gift for you. I've got this amazing gift, not eternal death, but eternal life. Now, how do we get it? It's not by working harder. It's not by trying to be good enough to please God. It's not by beating ourselves up because we missed it and messed up. It says here, it is through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He died on the cross. We had, a, we had a sin problem we could not solve. Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, and when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, he makes us a new person, makes us alive to God, and basically births eternal life on the inside of us. That's a great gift. Tremendous gift. All we've got to do is accept the gift. So Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And I've often said that belief is really like a light switch. You decide you're going to believe that. You decide. So we decide, we believe, and he says, we can't take credit for this. It's a what? Gift from God. So we just simply believe. And they say, well, pastor, I haven't made that decision. You can today. As a matter of fact, I challenge you and encourage you, don't go another day without making this decision. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so God's gift of eternal life and Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross solves our sin problem. Here's the second gift, and this is an incredible gift. We've been talking about this gift the whole, the whole series, and it's the Holy Spirit. He's an amazing gift. Sometimes a gift isn't a thing. It's a, it's a being. It's a person, right? And I hope you feel that way about your spouse, by the way, that, that that's a blessing from the Lord, right? So, but the point of this series is that we can't live for God in our own strength. Apart from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to live for God. So it's not by might, not by power, but by His, what? Spirit. Amen? And so we live for Him, we serve Him by His Spirit. Not our great discipline, not all that we can muster up. It's by His Spirit. 
fact, Acts 1, verses 4 through 5 says this. Jesus said this. Do not leave Jerusalem, he told those early disciples, until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I said before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need that baptism in our lives. And so he first, God first solves the sin problem by the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he solves the power problem. Ain't God enough power. I know it's bad English, but it's true. None of us can gut this out in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit, so he sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit empowers us, and if we have the Holy Spirit power in our life, it will revolutionize our life. He'll, in fact, he'll transform your life if you just let him, if you give him permission. So here's the challenge for us in this area. Just keep asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need more of you. You feel weak? But Holy Spirit, I need more of your power. About to give in to a temptation? Holy Spirit, I need more of your power. You just, you just keep asking him. And then the third incredible gift we have is, is today's focus, and it's spiritual gifts. Now, I'm incredibly thankful for an aunt who, when I was about 15, 16 years old, recognized a spiritual gift in me and actually gave me a book entitled The Gift of Administration. I didn't know anything about gifts, and she saw this in me, and so she gave me, written by a Christian author, about this gift, and I began, it was so impactful to my life. I, you know, sometimes when you have a gift and you don't know where it fits in, you can just kind of think, am I all right? Can I just see things from a certain perspective? And, and then you'll get people to tell you you're wrong for seeing that way, Right? And so this gift, it, uh, this book, it was a gift. <laughs> the book was a gift, but the spiritual gift that it was about, once, once I recognized that, it affirmed me, it confirmed what God was in doing, doing in my life, it even, it even empowered me. And so here's the good news. Every believer in Christ has gifts too. Turn to somebody and say, you have some gifts. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us, I want you to say, God has given me, Different gifts for doing certain things well. It says, it's, it's, yeah, you can read that out loud. Let's, let's just read the whole sentence. Y'all want to talk today, so let's just talk together. Let's read the whole sentence. In his grace, God has given me different gifts for doing certain things well. Wonderful thing. Amen? So if you look at the Greek, God, by God's grace, by God's in the Greek, it's the word charis. It means favor or by his grace. It's not by us, it's by him. Okay? He gave us gifts. The Greek word there is charisma, and it's a gift or a grace. By God's grace, he gave us a grace, you could say. By God's favor, he gave us a gift and a, an ability. He gives us, by his grace, spiritual gifts. Now, what is it? Here, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, but every one of us, the first thing you need to understand is there is a grace, there is a favor, there is a supernatural. I want to say supernatural. It's not a natural ability. It didn't come from you learning it and earning it. It comes, it's a supernatural ability given by God, and it's in the form of a spiritual gift. So here's how that happens. When you receive salvation when you're born again when you give your life to jesus and you receive his gift of the holy spirit because you can't be saved without the work of the holy spirit god also deposits on the inside of you a spiritual gift or more than one even you get a gift amen 
So, so what is a spiritual gift? Well, um, they're not personality. It's not your personality. You say, well, I have a fabulous personality. Praise the Lord. We'll be the judge of that. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, pers- it's not learned ability. It's not your experiences. It's not even in you from, from your physical birth. It only comes from the new birth. And it's a supernatural ability that without God's grace, you'll never perform it. You'll never live out of it very well. So part of, the, part of the function of the spiritual gift, it will not go to where God intends it unless you rely on the Spirit to, to develop that and live that gift out in your life. Amen? Say, so what's the purpose of this spiritual gift? One of the purposes is for us to function in a local church. We all have different gifts. We're to, we're to be involved in the local church. And as our local church uses all of our gifts that are in the body that God has collectively put here, we will be a unique church, right? Reaching unique people that we're connected to, right? And when we do that along with all the other churches in a community, a nation, in the world, we will, along with the big C church, God's church around the world, we will accomplish God's purposes in the earth, right? We're, we're going we're to do our part. And so the purpose of that gift is really to help us advance the kingdom of God. It's to help us move it forward. So to reach people for Jesus, to teach people for Jesus, to serve people, to love people, amen, to develop people as they, as they become more like Jesus. And then really you, you can use the, if you like the King James, make disciples, that's what it's about. Amen? And we all have a part to play in that. Some of you may say, well, what's, my, what's God's purpose for my life? I've been trying to find my purpose. You have a special purpose. It will look different because of the spiritual gifting that God's given you. But basically, your purpose is to use your spiritual gifts to serve others and expand God's kingdom. That's it. That's where you're going to find fulfillment. That's where you're going to find joy. That's where you're going to see, see God work in your life. Now, in the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. In the Old Testament, God chose special people. Priests, kings. He, he chose special people, prophets, and he gave them special assignments. And, and, and you know, God doesn't make mistakes, but it was to help us see. He was, he was working through some things so we could see it when we read the Old Testament. It wasn't everything. But bottom line was he really didn't like it. He said, I've got to do it different in the New Testament. So in the New Testament, we see in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit was poured out on all disciples. Everybody got. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, what's the result of that? In the last days, and by the way, I believe we're living in the last days. If we're not in the last days, I don't want to know what the last days are going to look like. The Lord, you know, but we're, we're here till he returns or our time on earth is done. But in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So what's God saying? God's saying, in those days, and what days? In our generation. 
He wasn't just talking about that first century church there in Acts chapter 2. All succeeding, succeeding generations, it was supposed to be that way, that God would work through the old and the young. By the way, some of you that are older, God is not done using your spiritual gifts. And one of the reasons that we allow people and we encourage families to take their, as their, their students as young as sixth grade through our growth track pro process is we believe you're not too young to have spiritual gifts and that God will work through you. Amen? So it's not too old. It's for the young and the old. And, he, and even God even broke gender barriers. It was for men and women. Now I'm going to pour out my spirit on all of you. Amen? This, like, this is great. Acts 2, like, come on. Can you imagine what 2,000 years would look like with this? Well, what happened? In the first 1,400 years... Of, uh, after Christ was on the earth, someone came up with the crazy idea of clergy and laity. It was this crazy idea that the clergy were the professionals and the laity were to lay around and watch the clergy do the work. Come on, y'all could have laughed harder for that. That was pretty good. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. And then in 1500s, Martin Luther came along. He said, this ain't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And so he said that, you know, the separation of, of clergy as it was laid out and laity was not in the Bible. He began to talk and introduce the idea of the priesthood of believers that we all belong to Christ and we all have gifts and we all have calling and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of every believer and that, that God gives spiritual gifts to all believers. And what he began to do was call the church back to the book of Acts in chapter 2 there, what we just read. We know it as the Reformation. But you know what? Old habits die hard. Next slide, six, seven hundred years even now, many Christians, too many Christians believe that it's the professionals that do the, the ministry and the rest, they kind of just help out. You know, we're going to help out the preacher. Just helping the preacher. It's not the way the Bible laid it out. It's not the way it is. It's actually the opposite of God's word. Because look what me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Kim and I are in that list. Didn't God give you all good gifts? Amen. We're your pastors. Amen. It says, their, now this is the verse you've got to really pay close attention to. Their responsibility, so our responsibility as your pastors is to equip God's people, say me, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. My job's not to do your job. My job's to equip you to do what God put inside of you based on the spiritual gifting that he's given you. So we're gifts, but, but we have a work to do, but it's not your work. And you have a work to do, but it's not, it's not our work. And so our role is to equip you. Another translation says to do the work of ministry. So who's the ministers? We are. Amen? We're the ministers. So, let me be really clear. It is God's will for you to be involved and serve Him in your local church. Amen? So, so really, what does that mean? Let's put it in, you know, Kim mentioned football. And uh, so let's just put it in modern-day terms. You know, yeah, you do got to take the wins when you get them. Uh, actually, I woke up not even knowing they won, so here we are. But... Um, <laughs> 
But, but so many of us, we're in the stands. We're up, we're spectators. And you know what happens in churches when you stay up spectating too long? You become a critic. Now tomorrow morning, you turn on sports radio, all the professionals will come out on talk radio talking about, well, they didn't call the place they should have called and if they'd have had a different person, hit, right? Those are the spectators. And what God's calling us to do as a church is get out of the stands and get down on the field because where the game is being played, that's where the real fun is happening. And a good team ignores what everybody's saying in the stands. You know, when you, when you listen to those guys give press conferences, we're just working on us. We're just getting better every day. And I know some of that's player speak and coach speak and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is all the noise out there doesn't change what's, what needs to happen on the field because we don't even know what they're really working on, right? Because in the stands, you, you can't see the full big picture. I mean, you can see what, what's happening, but you don't know even what the goal is because this was preseason. preseason. It's not even opening day got a month for that. So, so I, my challenge to you, and I think what God's challenge to us is, is get out of the stands. Don't go home. Get on the field. Get on the field. Amen? And so even, even with our, our role in equipping, we can't do that in our, our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. We need His power working in us. Amen? And the people can't serve effectively. We need, some, we need some of God's special grace and special power, which brings us to the third gift, and that's spiritual gifts. So let's talk about that a little bit. I want to look at three, three principles today related to spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. God has called all of us to minister to the world around us. Why? Because you have friends that no one else has. You live in a neighborhood where God uniquely planted you. You work in places where, you know, I'll never work. I don't know people there. You're you're called to minister to them because you have a connection with them that no one else has like you. You're unique, amen? And here's the beauty of it. You're gifted to minister to the people you know. God put a spiritual gift on the inside of you. Acts 10, 38 says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Let me let, let me put it th- put it differently. God anointed Kevin and God anointed Christy and God anointed Robert and Candace and your name, whatever your name is. God anointed you what? With the Holy Spirit and with power. And then you can go around, look at this, doing good. If you can't do anything else, you can do good. Turn to somebody say you can do good. Amen. Now, some of you get freaked out about the next one. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Well, if God was with Jesus, and that's what it took and to have healing, we're, we're just as empowered. We can be empowered. Amen? We're supposed to act like that. So anointed here means consecrated. It means set apart. You're set apart. Isn't that awesome? What, remember when Jesus was water baptized? You know, he lived about 30 years of his life. And, you know, you've seen all the memes where Jesus was standing on the water in the bathtub. And he was, you know, dividing the, the water into two halves in the bathtub, you know, and, and all these things. You know, I don't know if his childhood was like that. But I know when he got to 30, there was no ministry until he got to 30. But when he was water baptized, 
The Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came and God confirmed, God appointed, God anointed, God consecrated him and say it set him aside for the ministry that he was going to do. And he did it. And God wants to do the same for us. He gifted Jesus. He's gifted us. We can do good. At a minimum, we can do good. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want you to think about this. Whatever you were like before you gave your life to Jesus no longer matters. It doesn't matter anymore. When you were born again, God recreated you as a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. When you gave your life to him, he also gave you spiritual gifts. In fact, when you were born again, when you were saved, he recreated you. Now get this. So that you could do the good things, the works, that he had in mind for you when he created you. So we were born, and we go down this path, living, doing our thing, doing all this stuff, and then someplace along the way, somebody, somewhere, maybe a friend brought you to church or told you about Jesus, and you made a decision. Maybe some of you will make that decision this morning before we're done. You'll make that decision, give your life to Christ, and what will begin to happen if you, work, if you let us equip you and work with you is you will begin to take a journey where God will take those spiritual gifts and he is making you into a masterpiece and he w will allow you and help you begin to do those things that he had in his mind for you to do in this earth when he, way back when he, you were just, you know, a gleam in your mama's eye. Actually, long before that. He knew. He knew. Amen? I, I just think it's incredible. Sometimes we think, well, we've got to go make it up. We've got to get, get it all together so we can work out what God... No, he already had it in his mind. we just got to realize what our spiritual gifts are, start moving with him, and it's going to come to pass. He's going to work through us. It's, it's really incredible. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, it, a spiritual given, a gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is not given to say, well, i got a gift. Right? I mean, you know, the worst gifts are at Christmas are the ones you, you just say, I got a gift. The best ones are like, oh man, I can use this every day. Right? That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Our gifts are, are to be used to serve others. Serve others, help others. How? Help them to get to know Jesus, do something good, help them just in some place in their journey, help them take another step towards Jesus. Right? Which is why the second point is very true. Every gift God has given is unique and important. It's unique and important. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work. Read the last three words. Okay, it's four. In all of us. Same spirit, different gifts in us to work different purposes in different people or in different ways in different people. So we don't promote one gift over another. Which one's valuable? Yes. They all are. They're all important. So 
We are all by the Spirit, and we are all important. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. Excuse me. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So we've got spiritual gifts. We've got to figure out what they are. We've got to learn to use them well. And maybe the best example of spiritual gifts I've ever heard is one I want to share with you this morning. Imagine we're having some kind of an event. And dessert is being served. Just think of your favorite dessert. Mm. Problem is, I can't think of just one. So I got a plate with a whole bunch of, de- a sampler platter. Come on, how many, you know, big old sampler platter with all these different desserts, right? And we're, we're, you know, these plates are being brought in. And all of a sudden, someone's taking them from where they're being served back to their seat. And all of a sudden, the plate of dessert falls on the floor. So just, 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 I want you to listen closely. This is what a room full of spiritual gifts and operation might look like. The mercy gift would say, I'm, I'm so sorry, are you okay? Did that plate land on your feet? That's what the mercy gift would do. The preaching gift would say, that's what happens when you're not careful. So I said, man, I want to be a preacher. So, <laughs> Someone with a serving gift say, I'll clean it up. I ain't clean that. Teaching gift is, would say, well, the reason it fell is because one side of your plate was too heavy or you weren't holding it with both hands or something like that, right? The exhortation gift would say, that's okay, it happens to everybody. And they'll probably tell you their story about when they dropped their plate. The giving person would say, here, take my dessert. Here, take my dessert. <laughs> So you got some work to do, right? I see. And here's the gift of administration, which I think is really just a fantastic gift. Jim, you get the mop. John, clean it up. Mary, why don't you fix another dessert for them? But you notice how all the gifts are operating and they're reacting to it differently. And what we tend to do sometimes is we start judging. Well, why didn't they go get a, why didn't they go get a broom? Well, that's your gift of administration coming out. You forgot to give them direction, right? So it's a beautiful thing to see the body in action. And thank God for all the gifts. Amen? It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So you may be thinking, what are my spiritual gifts? I am so glad you asked. You're going to get me going, you that are around here. So we're announcing something brand new today. And uh, we, over the last two years, we've done growth track in various ways. And our growth track team has done amazing just being flexible and adjusting to all the different challenges of the past couple of years. Um, Jill even put a, together a whole on-demand uh, thing, and, and that's still going to be available for people. But what we're doing uh, for this fall is we're going to have growth track in two steps, just step one and step two. And so right after service today, if you say, man, I, I really want to begin the process to finding out how God wired me, you can come to step one over in the connect room. I'm going to be teaching it live right in the room. And in about 45 minutes, you'll be out, depending on how many questions you ask. Um, but, but, but you'll go through step one. And then next Sunday, right after service, we're going to do step two. And so you don't even have to sign up. You just show up. Amen. And, uh, and we'll help you. And, uh, and you'll discover your gifts. And then each month we're going to offer, just stay tuned. If you can't make one or the other, it's going to be offered with great frequency. And you'll be able to finish uh, growth track very quickly. Amen? So, so here's what Psalm 139 says. 
God said, you made all, psalmist writes here, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I love this. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So why, why is helping you discover your spiritual gifts su such a passion of ours? Because God designed you to make a difference for him. He designed you in that way. God created you on purpose for a purpose. That was his plan. And until you know your purpose in life, there's always going to be something missing. You just feel like you're just not quite there yet. And you can look at all the wrong places. And that's why we just encourage you to go through growth track. Help us, let us help you uh, dis discover your spiritual gifts and begin to take a step into your, person, uh, into your purpose. I want to share a quick story. Because I, th I really believe when I was writing the message, I really felt like somebody needed to hear it today. And so I want you to just pay real close attention, it's really, really quick. But for some of you today, you're thinking it's too late for me. And this isn't necessarily about age. You may think my addictions are too bad, what I've been through is too much, my life is too hard. Whatever it is, I just want to tell you it's not too late. It's not too late. I'll just share a piece of my story very quickly. When I, when, when I was in the business world for 10, 12 years before I became a pastor, I, I knew I was called to pastor. I dreamed about pastoring and just, just you know, knew God called me, believed that he equipped me. And uh, once we launched a church, we had, a, you know, a few years of struggle. And, and then we hit the hard times. You ever been there? You know, you went through the struggle and then you hit the hard times and you're like, oh my goodness. And I almost went back to the business world and I just... Uh, you know, I just struggled. On, on, on my darkest days, I would compare myself and I could compare our church to somebody that I knew. And I've got friends who launched their, their church after we launched ours. And on all the outward signs, it looks like they're doing far more than we are. And I, I would just, you know, comparison will kill you. And I got in a very dark place. But you know what? In the middle of all that, I kept learning. I kept leaning in how to lead better, how to preach better, how to pray better, how to love better, how to be a better husband, how to be a better dad. Because it all goes together. It's not two separate worlds. And out of that came a better pastor and hopefully, Kim would agree, a better person. Okay, good. <laughs> but I learned things about in, the, in all of that, I just learning, learning, learning. I, there was a spiritual side, but I also learned some things about the natural side, vision and branding and marketing and worship and facilities and, and finances and so much more. Just leaning in, trying to find what is it. And in the middle of always doing that, I often wondered, what's the point? What's the purpose of all this? Where, where, wh what, why the struggle, Lord? You know, just be so much easier just to get to the win. Yeah. Right? Well, to be a better pastor, that was, that was a good goal. To be a better person, yes. To train pastors and leaders in other countries, which we've done for over 20 years, Yes. But in the last year, something has come together, and I've become, begun serving pastors and leaders in ways that pull not only from my business background, but pull from all the things I've learned in all the hard times and all the things that I've gone through. 
and my spiritual gifts while they're being developed and they're, they're, they're not done being developed, but there's things that I've learned in them that are now being utilized. And so over the last year, I've begun spending time every week on, 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 a, on a, Zoom, a video phone call, Zoom call, coaching pastors, coaching leaders, coaching market, marketplace leaders around the world. In most weeks, we have people, well, I can't think of a, a recent time, we haven't had people from multiple countries and multiple continents. And the amazing thing that has happened for me is that it has been fulfilling for me on a level that I never imagined was even possible. And I actually told a mentor of mine, I said, it, makes sen- it helps me make sense of my whole life. Because all those years, I didn't know. And the reason I share that story today is not so you know my story. I share that story today because some of you know that feeling. And you're wondering, what's it for? Why did I go through all that? What's the purpose? And I want you to know that it's not too late. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. I can just tell you it's not too late. And I can tell you this, it's just not time. So trust the Lord and stay in the journey. Keep going. Keep learning. Keep blessing others. Keep using your gifts. Keep developing your gifts. And what you're going to find out is God's going to work through you in an amazing way. And someplace in the journey, you will say, I was made for this. And I want to tell you, it's one of the greatest things in the world when you know God made you for something. That he looked down through history and he decided he wanted you on the earth and he knew everything that you were going to go through and he knew the pain of it all and he said, I'm going to work it for good. I'm going to redeem this. And he wants to do it for you. And So out of this last year, for me, there has come this renewed sense I have a passion like I've never had before to help you discover your gifts, help you begin to lean into your purpose. No matter what you've been through, God can work it out for good. He can do something amazing through it. And so, so, so what I see when, when I close my eyes, I, I see a church where there's people who are, who are out in the workplaces, out in the highways, the byways of life every day, and, and you just see people and you say, they need to be in my church. They need to know Jesus. And you're just inviting them and bringing them, and you're, you're just pulling them in. And then there's others of you that are, you know, you're, you're the social, social media warriors, and you're always out there commenting and liking and sharing things, and you're doing it that way. And then there's others of you that, that you know, you're not only doing that out here, but you find a ministry to serve in, and on Sunday mornings, People come in and you're loving on them and you're caring for them. And then when they go through the week, they get in a, you help people get in a group and you're helping them find freedom from all the stuff they've been entangled into and you're praying for them and you're coaching them and you're encouraging them and you're exhorting them and you're giving them mercy, whatever your gift is. And after a few semesters in groups, they're like, man, I, man, I got more fresh air than I ever had. 
How do I get involved? How do I, how does God use me? And, and, and then I see, I see people just, just serving throughout the community and we're all using our spiritual gifts and Spring, Klein, Tomball, Houston, Woodlands, Humble, Texas, America, the world. We're impacting the world. It was just, well, we're, we're not doing everything. We're just using the gifts God gave us. Developing them, using them well. Now that's all wonderful, isn't it? There's one other thing you'll discover about your spiritual gift is this, and it's number three. That the gifts God gave you, has given, have given you, show me who you are. Show you who you are. In other words, show me who I am. You'll know who you are when you start using your gifts. The spiritual gifts begin to frame your identity. And once you begin to use your spiritual gifts, you'll begin to discover more and more of yourself. But here's the key thing, and this is really important. We need to keep something in mind. We'll close here very quickly. Romans 12, 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have our, has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. So what it means that when it says here, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, there's an improper view of yourself you can have that my gift is greater than somebody else's. You should love your gift, but it's not better than anybody else's. That's the wrong view. The sober view is the right mind, it means. It means the proper perspective. And so what we do is we just all apply our spiritual gifts by faith, leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the right view of the gifts that He's put on the inside of us. Amen? For some of you today, you need to discover your gifts. You need to appreciate your gifts. For others of you, you need to appreciate the gifts of others a little bit more. We all have a next step. Amen? We're one body, many members, many gifts. So let's use our gift to build up the body of Christ and reach the world for Jesus. Here's our next step. Identify, use, and develop your spiritual gifts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, Jesus. Father, we just come to you today. And Lord, my heart that you would help us really to identify, use, and develop those gifts you've given us. And Lord, that you would give us joy and fulfillment that money can't buy. And Father, for those this morning that are in a place where they, they're, just, they're just like, maybe it's too late, maybe it's too much. Maybe I can't be used. If you, maybe I did that thing and the other thing. Lord, we just ask you this morning to take all those lies away. Just help us to lean into that journey in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that this morning that we're going to decide that we're going to lean into our spiritual gifts in ways that we've never done before. Some of them may have given up on their gifts. Just said, you know what, it's not for me anymore. Father, I I pray that you would help them to see the value of that gift again and that someone's life could be impacted by how they use their gift. We thank you for that, Lord. 
give hope today for some. Lord, as we were sharing, I know hearts were touched, lives were impacted. Give them hope today in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're sitting here. Maybe you're with us online today and you just say, Pastor, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you've tried to be a good person. Maybe you've done, tried to do the right thing. But you never really believed. Today would be a perfect day. Jesus died on the cross, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, for our forgiveness. If you're a believer today, this is the time to pray. If you're, if you're one of those, though, that needs to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to ask you to take a bold step of faith. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. But I just want to encourage you, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, would you just, well, everybody's got their heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just, would you just hold up a hand? I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender. Anybody else? Somebody's wrestling this morning. You're not, you, you don't want to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you do anything else other than pray with me. You can put your hands down. You that raised them. Anybody else? You need to raise your hand. Say this with me this morning. All of us can pray it with those that are praying it maybe for the first time. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from that old life and I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead after he died on the cross for my sins. So Jesus, I say today, I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate that this morning with those who made that decision?